Um, but yeah, like Sarah said, we just got back from Haiti. Lord did amazing things this last week. Uh, it was so encouraging. People coming to know Jesus, uh, providing for physical needs of people, encouraging uh, Haitian pastors and leaders to be the heroes and champions, um, empowered by God uh, to bring the gospel uh, of the good news of Jesus to their country. So I'm going to be sharing some fun stories about that. You're going to be hearing even more about it next week. Uh, but we're in this series, uh, this series called Transformed, where we're looking at what is, what is the Christian life all about? What does it look like to be a transformed person changed by the good news of Jesus? And last week, uh, Pastor JP talked about the supernatural life in Christ. How do we live in light of the power of God through his Holy Spirit living inside of us, that the creator of the universe takes up residence in our hearts to give us power? to live his kind of life. Uh, today, we're going to kind of take the next extension of, of, that, of that topic and say, okay, what does that actually do uh, in our lives? How does that change the way that we interact with the world around us? How does it change the way that we view other people? How does it change the way uh, that, we, that we view the needs of the world? So we're going to be in John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. You can go ahead and turn there. Uh, it'll be up on the screen. I'm going to pray ask the Spirit of God to move uh, through his word, and then we will dive right in. So if you guys would pray with me. Lord, thank you uh, for this morning. Jesus, thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, thank you for coming and living a life that we have not lived um, in obedience to the Father. Thank you for dying a death that we should have died and for rising, rising again to give us new life. Thank you that there is good news for ourselves and for the world, that there's forgiveness of sin. Um, God, that there's light in darkness. Holy Spirit, thank you for empowering us to live new life with you. We invite you to speak to us. We invite you to show us what it looks like to follow you. God, we pray that we would have transformed hearts. We wanna be your kind of people. We wanna live your kind of life. Lord, would you, um, would you help, um, help us to be that kind of people? And would you show us what it looks like? We pray, God, that your word um, would, would go into our hearts, not only our heads, but our hearts, so that we're transformed to be the kind of people you want us to be. Um, we pray for all this. We thank you that you love us even before we loved you. Uh, and so Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, if you would read with me in John 14, verses 12 through 14, this is Jesus speaking, and this is what he has to say. Starting in verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. These are the words of Jesus. Now, the question before us, I think, is, what can bring hope where hope seems impossible. This last week, one of the things that we did in Haiti is we spent quite a bit of time at the children's homes that we sponsor people from this church who, who sponsor children in Haiti or, or give towards uh, the change movement, uh, our, our, our ministry partnership in Haiti, is we sponsor these children's homes. And um, as, as we were visiting one of the homes one of the days, the thought occurred to me that by all rights, this home, this children's home, should be one of the saddest places in the world. These are children who have been orphaned or, or, or been given up by parents who are unable to take care of them. They live in one of the poorest countries of the world. 
uh, a country with a history uh, in, in the far past uh, founded on, on slavery and more recently um, subject to natural disasters and problems with the government and all kinds of problems with infrastructure and, and healthcare and, and economic problems. I mean, these are some of the most disenfranchised people in the world. This should be, by all rights, one of the saddest places in the world. But, it, but the thought occurred to me, it's not. It's one of the best places in the world. If you look at the, 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 the children are, are full of love and joy, and the men and women that run these homes uh, have dedicated their lives to see that these children flourish and are healthy and know the Lord. It should be one of the saddest places in the world, but instead it's one of the best places in the world because it's full of God's love. So the question is, how does that kind of hope get into the world? How can there be hope where it seems like things should be hopeless? How can there be passion where it seems like there's only apathy? How can there be life when it seems like there's only death? How could there be plenty where it seems like there can only be want? How could there be hope where it seems like there's only hopelessness? And I think Jesus' answer in this passage in John chapter 14 is this. There can be hope where there seems like there could be only hopelessness because the transformed life of his people leads to ordinary people doing extraordinary things by the grace of an extraordinary God. That ordinary people do extraordinary things by the grace of an extraordinary God. In this passage, I think what Jesus lays out is that we can be a part of what he wants to do in the world because the transformed life gives us a new normal, the transformed life gives us a new scope, and the transformed life gives us a new power, a new normal, a new scope, and a new power. So let's check it out. Let's see how we can be a part of bringing hope to the world. How can we be the ordinary people who do extraordinary things by the grace of an extraordinary God? So, new normal. Right at the beginning of, of verse 12, uh, chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, will do the works that I do. Whoever believes in me. Whoever. This is normal Christianity, right? He's not talking about some elite unit of super Christian. He says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. God's plan A for bringing life to the world is you, Christian, us collectively, the church. God's plan A to bring life to the world is you. Normal Christianity, whoever believes in me. Now, it's very important to, that the order here that Jesus uses is very important. He says, believe first, then the works, right? Whoever believes in me. So what about believing in Jesus leads us to bring life to the world? What about believing in Jesus uh, leads us to do the works that he does? Well, uh, the Apostle Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new one comes. So that when we believe in Jesus, when we trust in his finished work for us on the cross, when we, when we believe that there's nothing we could do to make our way to the Father because we've all, uh, in our own ways, turned our back on him and oriented our lives in ways apart from him and separated ourselves from him in sin, but that Jesus has made a way for us because he lived a life that we should have lived but didn't, and he died a death that we should die, but we don't because he did, and he rose again to give us new life. When we believe that, it's not just that we're accepting a new worldview or a new way of thinking about the world. It's not just that we have new values that we want to live out. Jesus actually makes us new. We are new creations. There's a new normal because we are new people. The old has passed away, the new has come. 
anticipating about what this would look like. The prophet Ezekiel, um, or God rather, spoke to the prophet Ezekiel hundreds of years before Christ. Uh, he's, he's speaking about what would happen when the Messiah comes. The prophet Ezekiel uh, records this. This is God speaking in uh, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 17. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. You shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. I will remove the heart of stone. That's the cold, unbelieving heart uh, removed from God by sin. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. That's a soft heart that beats for God is sensitive to the things of God. And I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. What God says is that when we believe in Jesus, when we trust in his work for us, he gives us a new heart. He makes us new people from the inside out. He, he frees us from our old slavery to our, to our sin nature and, and brings us a new nature, a new spirit. Uh, he, he takes up residence inside us so that now we have new desires and new tendencies. And even though we wrestle with temptation like anyone else, and even though we're still dealing with a baggage from our, our old self, we're, we have a new self because we've been given a new heart, a heart that beats for God. He says, he gives us a new heart and a new spirit. We're made new. We have a new normal because we're made new. The apostle Paul, again, in Galatians 2.20, puts it this way. I've been crucified with Christ. That's when Christ, when Christ died, my old self died with him. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And when we identify with Jesus, we now have the new resurrection life of Christ living inside of us. We're made new. Jesus lives through us. It's not just a new set of rules. It's not just a new way of thinking. It's a new way of being. Jesus makes us new. We have a new normal. I've used this analogy before, but I love it, so I'm going to use it again. Uh, it's like the old TV show, the MTV TV show, Pimp My Ride. You guys remember Pimp My Ride? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. So Pimp My Ride. The rapper exhibit shows up to someone's house. They've got a beater car. Their friends, you know, put, put their name into MTV. And an exhibit shows up and says, I'm going to pimp your ride. They go and check out the car, and it's like this old beat-up car with rust and, you know, paint chipped off, and it's, it's barely even running. They take it to West Coast Customs, the, the, the auto shop, and they deck it out. They put a new body kit on it, a new paint job. They do something, like, unique and quirky with it. Like, this one girl, her name was Nile, so they put a fake Nile running through the backseat of her car. Guy loved bowling. They put a, a bowling ball rack in his trunk. They, they pimp the ride, right? They make it look cool, and they drive off at the end of the show, and they're a pimped-out ride. Here's the problem with pimp, pimp My Ride. They got a new paint job, new body kit, all the bells and whistles. It's still a beater car. The engine still has 200-something thousand miles on it. Who knows how much longer it's going to run. So you're just running, now you're driving around in, in a beater with a new paint job. What Jesus does is not Pimp My Ride. He does not just give us so a new paint job or new things to change on the outside. He makes us new on the inside. He doesn't just give a paint job. He gives us a new engine. Jesus makes us new. And because he makes us new, we now have a new normal to work the works of Jesus. This is new normal. It's ordinary people doing extraordinary things by the grace of an extraordinary God. 
Okay, so if, if the new normal is, to, is this kind of new life because Jesus makes us new, what are the works of Jesus, right? He says, anyone, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. Normal Christianity is to do, is to do the works of Jesus because of what he's done in our lives. Well, what are the works of Jesus? Well, Jesus said this in John 10, 25 about his works. He says, the works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. So the works of Jesus is anything we do, any way that we live that points to Jesus Christ. It's the, it's, it's the way that we live, the things that we think, the actions that we take, uh, the things that we say, the attitudes that we take on that bear witness to Jesus Christ, that give the world an opportunity to see and respond to Jesus. So this means, of course, evangelism and sharing our faith and talking about Jesus with our neighbors, inviting them to church. This means caring for the least of these and loving in a way that is foreign to the world and, and, and lifting up the most disenfranchised people among us. It means living out the new values of the kingdom of heaven. It means living in a way, any way that we live, that points to Jesus Christ. These are the works of Jesus. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, 2, 15 through 16, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. That when we walk with Jesus, when we live out the new identity that he gives us, the new self that he gives us, we bear the very aroma of Christ. The works of Jesus are what we do that, that displays to the world who Jesus is and gives the world an opportunity to respond to him. We bear his aroma. We, we smell like him. There's something about what, about what we're doing when we do the works of Jesus that points to Jesus, whether openly, when we do evangelism, we talk about our faith, or when we live out the new values of the kingdom. We bear the aroma, like this last week in Haiti. After a long day of work, it's hot, it's humid, and we're rustling around, it's all dusty and stuff. At the end of the day, I had an aroma, if you will. <laughs> and if you sat next to me, it would, it would tell you something about who I was and how I was spending my day, namely that I had sweat a lot that day, right? When you, have, when you have Jesus inside of you and you live out that new identity, you bear the aroma of Jesus. It tells you something about Jesus inside of you. That's the works of Jesus. Now, again, like I said, there's this temptation to think that this is, this is only something for the, some elite group of super Christian. But again, this is anyone who believes. Anyone who believes does the work of Jesus because of the work, because of the work that he's done inside of us to give us a new heart. Now, it's all of us have the temptation that though we are in the family of God, all of us have the temptation to live in a way that uh, muddles the resemblance, the family resemblance, right? And this is not new. This has been, this has been uh, the modus operandi for humanity since the beginning, since sin entered the world. If you'll remember, right when Adam and Eve first sinned, the first thing they did was they hid from God. It is, it is a natural tendency of the human heart to hide from God and his will for our lives. We want, we want to settle for comfort and safety and security in our, own, in our comfort zones uh, rather than to step out in faith for what God wants for us. And comfort is a really good hiding place. Not from God, obviously, but for ourselves. But what God wants from us is so much more. What God wants for us is so much more. God does not need any single one of us to carry out his work. 
but he wants us to be a part of it because he loves us. He wants us to care about what he cares about because he knows that's where life is. Uh, this last, again, this last week, um, one of the last things we did is we were visiting uh, one of these children's homes and um, Pastor Kenny and, and the, other, the other leaders of our team, uh, Dave and Rick, had this, this idea that we would, uh, as we were giving out new shoes to these children, we would wash their feet the way that Jesus washed his disciples' feet as a way of communicating how much Jesus loved them. And we'd pray over them and, and tell them how much Jesus loved them. And uh, as we were doing this, one of the guys, it was, it was very emotional and powerful, and as we were just all reminded about how much Jesus loves us. And um, one of the guys, uh, you know, we were talking, and, and he just turned, he had tears in his eyes, and he said, isn't it amazing that, that God lets us be a part of this? And what he was getting at is doing the works of Jesus, living out the new identity, it's the sweet spot of life. It, it's, it's what God made us, made us to be. Isn't it amazing that he lets us be a part of what he's doing in the world? Isn't it amazing that he lets us care about the things that he cares about? Because that's the sweet spot. The sweet spot is to be aligned with God's heart. But so often we settle for less. This is what uh, great uh, missionary Jim Elliott said about our, our tendency to settle rather than to step into everything that God would have for us. He says this, we're so utterly ordinary, that's like just the rest of the world, we're so utterly ordinary, so commonplace, while we profess to know a power the 20th century does not reckon with. We are harmless and therefore unharmed. We are spiritual pacifists, not militants, conscientious objectors in this battle to the death with principalities and powers in high places. Meekness must be had for contact with men, but brass, outspoken boldness is required to take part in the comradeship of the cross. We are sideliners, coaching and criticizing the real wrestlers while content to sit by and leave the enemies of God unchallenged. The world cannot hate us. We are too much like its own. Oh, that God would make us dangerous. Oh, that God would make this church dangerous. Dangerous against sin, dangerous against the power of death in the world, dangerous against hopelessness in the world. And we are blessed to be a church with lots of dangerous people. A few examples from this last week that I, I saw men step out to be dangerous for the kingdom of God. Uh, and they think they're worth celebrating, so we're going to give them shout outs. So uh, just, there's many more, but uh, Toman Simnak, he is an architect. And we bought this property, or, or we're in the process of buying this property with the Chanjay movement. And, um, and this property is going to be used to, to house a church that we partner with and, and one of the children's homes, giving them a new space to live. And we have vision for seeing also uh, potentially a, a trade school where we could teach people in the neighborhood a, a, a trade to, to be more marketable so they could have more steady work and maybe even a clinic one day where they could have uh, medical care. We could host uh, uh, medical missions teams, uh, a space for the community to, to gather and, and uh, and to be blessed by the good news of Jesus. Well, Tobin is using the skills that God has given him as an architect to see that vision come to pass. He had no idea that that's where this would lead him when he studied to become an architect and began his career. But God is using the gifts and skills that he, uh, that he has given him so that people can be blessed, people can hear the good news, and, and receive the healing of the gospel. There are going to be people in heaven that come up to Tobin and say, thank you for making those architectural designs. Because of that, I heard the good news of Jesus and was saved. Because of that, 
uh, I had a place to live when my, my parents died. Because of that, I learned a trade that helped me provide for my family. That is worth celebrating. What skills has God given you? What passions has God given you that can be leveraged and used to bless the world and work towards God's purposes in the world? Another one, Brandon Champlin stepped out and shared his faith, led someone to Christ for the first time this last week. We were, at the, we were uh, out doing this outreach. He asked a, a young girl if he could pray for her, blessed her, prayed for her, shared the good news of Jesus with her and everything that Christ had accomplished, asked her if she wanted to give her life to Christ, and she said yes, and he walked her through a prayer. She surrendered her life to Jesus. Brandon is going to get to heaven. That girl is going to say, thank you for taking a step of faith. Thank you for leading me to Jesus. That's worth celebrating. When normal people take steps of faith to do what God wants to do, God shows up. Maybe not how we think. Maybe, maybe not the way that we would hope or expect, but God shows up. That's worth celebrating the steps of faith that, that, that uh, people in this church are taking. It doesn't have to just be Haiti. Right now, this morning, a group of people led by uh, John Lewithley, one of the members of our church, every, every month on the last uh, Sunday of the month, they go out to Santa Ana partnering with Oasis Church, and uh, they, uh, they provide a hot meal for people living on the street. They pray for them. They share the gospel with them. Uh, Louis Jonas, who's a Spanish speaker, uses his, his, his Latino heritage uh, to uh, connect with and speak in a heart language. Uh, he does the same thing for Cross Island Espanol with uh, Pastor Jesse. Uh, that's worth celebrating. These are dangerous people for the kingdom, ordinary people uh, doing extraordinary things by the grace of an extraordinary God. At our food pantry, every week, right now even, there are people receiving a meal uh, and food and groceries for the week that might not otherwise be able to do so. They're being prayed for. They're hearing the good news of Jesus. Spring Hunsinger and her team of volunteers that any one of us can join uh, are blessing people with the good news of Jesus. Dangerous people, ordinary people doing extraordinary things by the grace of an extraordinary God. This is the sweet spot of life. Amen? Not only this, though, but we're given a new normal and a new scope. Jesus uh, goes on. He says, anyone who believes in me will do the works that I do. And then at the end of verse 12, he says this, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Now, that seems funny at first, right? Like, anyone who believes will do greater works than you, Jesus? Uh, how? Uh, what are you talking about? Um, now, I think the key to understanding what he means by that is uh, that, that phrase at the very end, uh, he'll do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Because Jesus is going to the Father. What Jesus is saying is, I'm, I'm going to finish what the Father sent me here to do. I'm paying for sin. I'm rising again to bring new life. And then I'm going back to the Father. And when Jesus ascended back to the Father, he commissioned his followers uh, to carry on his mission in the world, to be Christ's ambassadors, uh, to carry on the work of Jesus so that the scope is now the whole world. Because uh, no longer is the work of Jesus centered only in the person of Christ, the God the Son, come and to be one, one of us and live among us. Now it's everyone who believes in him. And the scope is the whole world so that the whole world can know the good news of Jesus. So that in the end, there will be people from every nation, tribe, and tongue praising Jesus because God loves every single person and every single culture on the earth and wants to see it redeemed in the name of Jesus. 
This is what Jesus said before he ascended to the Father, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's called the Great Commission. It says this, and Jesus said, uh, came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So what we see is that the greater works of Jesus, we will, we will work greater works than Jesus, not necessarily because any one of us is going to perform greater miracles than Jesus himself performed, although we should pray for the miraculous. We should pray for God to do great and, and wonderful things. It's not just because they're going to be more amazing miracles, but because they're going to be greater in scope because now all of us are ambassadors of Christ and all of us are charged to be involved in God's work in the world. How can you be involved in what God wants to do, not just in your community, but in the whole world? How can you be involved in praying for and sending people who are called to go to the whole world? How can you consider how you might be called to go? How might, um, how might you uh, reach the world here in your own backyard and be, uh, be on the lookout and have a heart for people who are different or people uh, who, who represent a different culture or a different perspective than you so that the whole world is reached with the gospel? How can you be involved in the new scope that the transformed life gives us? Now, the new scope, what's incredible this is if you take a step back to 30,000 feet and look at what's going on, it's not just that Jesus ascending to the Father commissions us and now empowers us by his spirit like Pastor JP talked about last week so that we can reach the whole world, but Jesus is ushering in a new humanity. Jesus rose again from, from the dead. Uh, the places in scriptures call, it, call him the, the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn of a new type of human, a redeemed humanity that now live out the new, uh, the new heart that God gives us. When we do the works of Jesus, when we embrace the new normal and the new scope that the transformed life gives us, we're not just involved in saving souls for eternity, we're involved in bringing heaven to earth itself. We're involved in living out the new values of the kingdom here on earth. We're involved in changing the world because we ourselves are being changed, and when we proclaim Jesus and they accept Jesus, they themselves are being changed as well. We are given a new normal and a new scope. We're involved in doing the works of Jesus and even the greater works of Jesus as we trust him to reach the whole world and to bring in God's kingdom on earth. Now, if you hear that and you're not at least a little bit overwhelmed, <laughs> uh, you might not be taking it seriously because we're talking about doing the works of Jesus. We're talking about ushering in a new humanity and reaching the whole world. If you're not at least a little bit overwhelmed by that, I, you know, I, it's pretty overwhelming. Uh, but that brings us to our final observation, which is that the transformed life uh, involves a new power. Jesus says this at the end of our, our passage here in verses 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus says that the power that he will supply for us to be able to do the works of Jesus, to do the greater works of Jesus, will be prayer in his name. He says that if you pray in my name, I will do what you ask, that the Father may be glorified. Now, the key here is he says that it's prayer in my name. Now, if... if um, if you were to do something in my name, I would certainly hope that you would do it the way that I would do it, right? 
or consider a, a, an example that all of us experience to one degree or another. Uh, if, if you give someone power of attorney, power to oversee your affairs, uh, what you're, you're not just saying, hey, do this. You're saying, I'm giving you permission to do this the way that I would do it. I'm, I'm giving you power to carry out my will, or I'm giving you power to do things in representation of me. Jesus in prayer has given us power uh, of attorney uh, to invite the kingdom, uh, invite the power of God to do what only God can do. He's inviting us to pray in his name, to prayer, pray the prayers that he would pray. He's saying, pray in my name. It's not just a, a, a cheat code to say at the end of a prayer to unlock God's power in Jesus' name, amen, and then, that, and then it will happen, right? What he's saying is, pray according to my will. Um, James 4.3 puts it in the negative this way. He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now, what he's, he's not saying that if your prayers aren't being answered, it's automatically because you're asking the wrong way. But what he is pointing out is there's a, there's a tendency in the human heart to, to pray and use God like a genie, right? To, to pray in a way to, you know, kind of, if I pray, it's like me rubbing the lamp to get everything I already wanted, not, but not what I wanted in light of the new identity I now have in Christ. Jesus is saying, pray in accordance with my will. Pray in light of what we read in scripture. Pray the prayers that Jesus would pray. Now, I, to be fully transparent, this is something that, uh, that I've wrestled with a little bit because I've prayed prayers that seem like they're in accordance with God's will. It seems like these are the prayers that Jesus would pray. I'm praying for lost people to come to know Christ. I'm, I'm praying for uh, you know, a ministry to grow or opportunities for the gospel or for financial resources for something that seems like God is calling someone to do or calling me to do. Um, and it, it's not happening the way that I would expect. But remember this, uh, like the Apostle Peter said that a thousand years is like a day to the Lord and a day is like a thousand years and he's not slow to deliver on what he will deliver. And oftentimes God delivers in ways differently than we think. Uh, it's been said many times before that God's answer to our prayers uh, is, is exactly what we would have wanted if we had all the information and all the wisdom of God. God is working his will out in the world and, and he gives us the power to be a part of it when we pray in Jesus' name, when we pray the prayers that Jesus would pray. Now, of course, we, can, we, we still pray for things personally because Jesus himself said that uh, a good father, who, what good father when their child asks for a fish will give them a snake, depending on how you feel about snakes, that hits home more than less. But um, God wants to give good gifts. But he also asks us to pray in Jesus' name, to align our will to his. Prayer is the great power by which we can do the works of Jesus. Prayer is the power by which ordinary people can do extraordinary things by the grace of an extraordinary God. Because when we pray, we express dependence on God doing what only he can do. And we connect our hearts to his. Um, and we invite his power into a broken world. We invite him to move and him to do what he is going to do, and we get to be a part of it. The writer Andrew Murray said this about prayer and God's people's role in prayer. He said, we must begin to believe that God in the mystery of prayer has entrusted us with a force that can move the heavenly world and bring its power down to earth. Let's be people who pray so that we bring heavenly power down to earth to bring reconciliation and redemption and hope to the world. Amen?
Prayer is the power by which ordinary people can do extraordinary things by the grace of an extraordinary God. And when we pray for him to do the greater works of Jesus, when we ask him to do miracles, when we ask him to save lost people, when we ask him to give us the strength and the heart to care for the least of these, the most disenfranchised among us, God works in powerful ways and empowers us to do the greater works of Jesus. We got to see this this last week. Uh, the last time uh, that a trip went, for, uh, went to Haiti with the women's trip, there was a, a hurricane that came in and, and uh, hit certain parts of Haiti very hard. And uh, uh, several people got to, to go out to a region called Laogon um, where they had met a, a pastor named Pastor Marcellus and they, they visited his church. Uh, the church was flattened by the hurricane. So it's this, in the middle of a field in this tiny little village, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, but Pastor Marcellus has a, has a heart to see these people reach with the gospel. He loves these people. Uh, he loves the Lord. And, and the only thing standing at the end of the hurricane was the pulpit, kind of poignant. Um, but, uh, you know, Rick and, and Dave and, and the others, they, uh, they committed to rebuilding this church. And, and as they, they prayed and and ask that God would fill this church and give Pastor Marcellus uh, favor with the community and, and, and uh, an ability to preach the gospel there and to bless their community. Uh, and when they, uh, they prayed when they first did an outreach there, they prayed as they were rebuilding the church. And we got to go there this last week. And as we were driving up, uh, we were about to do an outreach and we had some food, uh, some, some, some groceries to give to people. And uh, we we're going to share the gospel and pray and bless people. And Pastor Marcellus was going to speak. And um, we... As we, were, as we were pulling up, we get kind of go into this field and there's the building there that had been rebuilt. Um, it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a roof uh, with, with poles holding it up and some tarps on the side. It's, it's perfect for the community. Uh, but they, as, we, um, as we're holding up, we hear, we hear this music. The drums are beating, boom, 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 boom. And we hear people just shouting and, and praising and it's, it's like a dance party for Jesus. Uh, but we, we kind of like get out, uh, we get out of uh, the truck and we're, we're walking to the field like, can we go inside right now? I was like, this for us? Is this this thing? We walk in, the church is filled. And people are praising Jesus. There's call and response. And they're dancing, uh, like dancing their faces off for King Jesus. And it was just, wow, what an answer to prayer. We prayed that God would give, uh, we, we would give Pastor Marcel's favor. We prayed that this church would be filled. And uh, here people are praising Jesus and dancing in his name. Uh, Pastor Marcellus got to preach, share the gospel. That was where Brandon got to lead that, that girl to Christ and others came to Christ. And that was, a, that was God moving because his people prayed that he would move. And it doesn't always work exactly like we hoped it would, but if we would pray that, that people would come to Christ, if we would pray that God would give uh, our church an ability to, to bless our community, if we would pray for the least of these, God would move. Not necessarily like we, exactly like we think he would, but we know that when we pray in accordance to Jesus' will, he promises that he will do it. So let's be people that tap into the new power that he gives us in prayer. Let's be people that live out the new normal to, to do the works of Jesus, live out our true identity in him to do the works of Jesus and, and to do even the greater works of Jesus in the new scope, thinking about the whole world and, and God's redemptive purposes in the world. Let's be dangerous people, ordinary people, doing extraordinary things by the grace of an extraordinary God. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to respond in worship. Uh, we're going to ask God to do what only he can do in our lives. Would you pray with me? God, would we be dangerous people? Would we, would we be people that though we're all ordinary and we all have our own baggage and some of us uh, to varying degrees, we don't even know exactly what this could look like, but God, would you give us the grace to be able to step out in faith and to trust you? 
Would you use us mightily? Would we be ordinary people who do extraordinary things by your grace because you're an extraordinary God? We thank you that there's good news to proclaim to the world. We thank you that there's good news for us, that you love us, that there's nothing that you could ever do, we could ever do that would make you love us less, that in Jesus, all our sin is paid for, that you took on all of our brokenness, all of our sin, all of our shame, you paid for it, you rose again to give us new life. Would that change us, God? Would we be type of people that bring that kind of hope to the world? Would we get in on what you're doing? Um, thank you for wanting to use us. We're so blessed, God, that by that, thank you that you've always loved us. Uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're gonna, one of the ways we're going to respond in worship is by giving our offering. This is a way for us to worship, to say to God, all that we have is yours, and we want to use it the way that you want it to be used, to see people blessed, to see the least of these have needs meet, to see the gospel proclaimed. And so if you were a follower of Christ and you call Crossline home, this is an opportunity to worship. Um, we're gonna do that. I'll pray for that right now. And then Sergio and the, and the band are gonna lead us to respond, to ask God to move in our lives. Would you pray with me again? Lord, would you receive our offering? We, we give it because you've given to us. Um, you're, you're generous to us. You provide for our needs. Uh, and you, you give us yourself um, by dying on the cross for us, Jesus. And so... Um, Lord, we love you. We worship you. Uh, we thank you that for all that you are for us and your son. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Um, would you use what we have to see the greater works of Jesus done in the world? We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.